Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. And I'm Aaron McMahon. This episode features a special guest who can help us break down the TCU Horned Frogs in advance of their matchup with Michigan in the upcoming college football playoff semifinals. We'll preview the matchup coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, Aaron, good to be with you here as we record Thursday night, December 22nd. And as I mentioned, we have a guest and that person is Steven Johnson, TCU football beat writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram in Fort Worth, Texas. Steven, thanks for coming on. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. I appreciate the invite. Um, really looking forward to the game. Yeah, so first year on the beat for you and your team is going to the college football playoffs. Uh, I guess if you wouldn't mind giving giving us a, a kind of a season recap, um, like is it a surprise that they're they're playing in this game? What were sort of the expectations coming in and how have they, you know, met or probably exceeded those? This is definitely a surprise. Uh, you know, TCU, as they, as I'm sure you're going to hear a bunch over the next week and a half, they were picked to finish seventh in the Big 12 in the preseason. So I think the expectation nationally and around the conference was this was going to be a team that maybe would struggle to compete for a, a bowl game. I thought they would be a little bit better just coming in and kind of watching uh, fall camp, seeing the talent they had, especially the skill positions. But even me, uh, I thought they would go eight and four this year. And from as everything I saw, that was probably one of the more optimistic kind of uh, predictions for the year. So even me, I, I didn't see this coming. Um, it's just been a year, man, of just defined expectations, uh, finding a way to kind of battle back. They, you know, they've fallen behind in a couple of games, but they do a really great job of finishing games. And it feels like if the game is close in the fourth quarter, nine times out of 10, it feels like TCU is going to find a way to make plays to come out on top. And I would say that's kind of just been the defining characteristic of their season so far. If you can uh, tell us about some of the players here, uh, and I guess it makes sense to start with the uh, Heisman Trophy runner-up, Max Duggan, a quarterback. Um, I don't want to assume that our, our listeners like necessarily know his his whole story, uh, and, and I'm not asking you, I guess, to, to recap that all here right now, but um, just some background on kind of, you know, where, where he was on the depth chart coming into the year and 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 kind of how he plays and and what makes him special. Well, Max was a starter for three years before this year. He was a talented former four-star kid out of high school, showed talent, showed his athleticism. But it, I think just talking to people around the program when I first got here, it seemed like he may have gone, kind of hit like a plateau. Like there was just a level he really couldn't necessarily get beyond. So he wasn't the starter at the beginning of the year. That was Chandler Morris, who I think who beat him out in fall camp. And from the open media portion, we got to watch like an hour of practice almost every day in fall camp. It was the right decision. He was the more accurate thrower. He was showing, I think, more capabilities with the offense. But, you know, obviously they play Colorado. He gets off to the slow start. Then as soon as they get rolling in that game, I think they're up double digits. Chandler Morris sprains his knee, and then Max Duggan comes in. So even in that first game, he only attempts three passes. And they kind of just blow him out just off the run game and things like that. Um, so – just from that point, you know, they play the FCS team next week. Obviously, he throws five touchdown passes. But when the SMU and Oklahoma games came around, I think he might have accounted for eight touchdowns, something six or eight touchdowns in those two games. I think those were the first time, like, I think people that season really understood how much better he had gotten, how much more confident he was with the offense TCU was running. So um, he, like the rest of the team, he's defied expectations, man, going from QB2 to the runner-up in the Heisman Trophy race. And the team isn't just about his story. I want to make that clear, but he is definitely the heart and soul of the team. He is definitely one of the leaders on the team, I would say. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's what we want to hear about is some of the, some of these other guys, especially we'll just stick with offense, I guess, for now to, to make it, to make it easier. Like uh, I'm seeing there's other names that are, that are all big 12, for example, um, and that have, you know, made this offense as, as good as it is this year. Who, who are the guys that, you know, Michigan fans and, and obviously then their, their players need to need to look out for. On the biggest name I'll say is Quinn Johnston. Um, I think he's likely a first round NFL draft pick. I've seen him projected to go as high as top 10 to be maybe the first wide receiver off the board. He's 6'3", 6'4", 215. He's explosive. He can take a curl route and make it a 50 yard gain. He's the type of guy that can go up and over multiple defenders for those jump balls. So he's Duggan's favorite target. One of the most explosive players in the country. Then you have Kendra Miller, who scored a touchdown in every single game at the running back position. He's rushed for over 1,300 yards. I think he's one of the best running backs. People across the country maybe don't talk about. Obviously, they talk about Blake, Bijan, um, well-deserved, honestly. But I think Kendra is one of those guys that really just went under the radar, man. Um, on the offensive line, you have Steve Avila, who was an All-American across the board, All-Big 12, All-Nali, the SMU transfer at center, who I think really helped provide stability to the offensive line. The strength of their O-line is in the middle, and it's because of guys like uh, Ali and, and Avila. And at the skill positions, you also have a guy like Darius Davis, who was an All-American punt returner. Um, he's a guy that is another big play threat, another guy that you can give him you know, a bubble screen, a slant, a drag over the middle of the field, and next thing you know, he has a 50-yard touchdown. So those are some of the names, and I think you also have to account for Savion Williams and Tay Barber at the receiver spot. Their top four receivers and even some of their younger guys, they love their receiver group, and they're all productive. They're all capable of giving you 100 yards on a touchdown in any one game. Steven, I, I think because TCU plays in the Big 12, the assumption is that they want to throw the ball over the field and everything else, and they obviously can with Max Duggan and the receivers, but it seems like they're a little bit more balanced than the rest of the Big 12. Is that an accurate assumption? Yeah, absolutely. I think technically, I guess you can call this an air raid, but it's an air raid that's kind of predicated off success of the run game. I think for Max, when he's at his best, it's when Kendra Miller and Amara D. Mercado are really kind of busting off those chunk plays, and they're averaging five, six, seven yards a carry. They think the offensive line is the strength of the team. It was earlier in the season. And I think it's kind of played out. I would say they're the best offensive line in the Big 12. If not one, they're probably 1B. So they like to establish the run game. And I think if Kendra Miller's a guy that has like 150 yards and a couple touchdowns, I think that means TCU is probably in the ball game late in the fourth quarter. So uh, Matt's can sling it around, but I think the offense is really designed to function at its best when they're balanced and they even have Max involved in the run game as well with Kendra and some of those other guys. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting for Michigan. I mean, they faced, uh, you know, they face an Ohio state passing attack that features, you know, some really good receivers, including, you know, Marvin Harrison jr. And, uh, obviously they, they won that game handily. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, Harrison had a big game. I think he had, he had over a hundred yards and, and a touchdown in that game, which is, but kind of average numbers for him. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who, who draws that matchup with, with Johnston and, and kind of how Michigan, Michigan plays that. Um, now, now on the other side of the ball, I, I've heard just talking to a lot of Michigan fans going into this game. Uh, anytime you try to talk up Duggan and, and what this TCU team can do, uh, all I hear is, well, yeah, but that defense, that defense is weak. Like Michigan's going to, Michigan's going to hang 40 on him. Like no problem. That that's the thought from a lot of folks around here. I guess what 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 do you make of this TCU defense this year? Oh, I think the defense is better than the numbers would suggest. Um, they have some really talented pieces on the defense. I mean, across the defense as a whole, uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson is a nephew of Ladanian Tomlinson, Jim Thorpe Award winner, legitimately one of the best cornerbacks in the country. 
Josh Newton was all Big 12 guy, one of the most underrated transfers, I think, in the country. They brought him up from Louisiana Monroe, and he quickly quickly became a starter and one of the leaders in the locker room. At the linebacker position, I like all their linebackers. Johnny Hodges was a guy they brought from brought in from Navy. D. Winters is the best pass rusher, and Jamoy Hodge in the middle is kind of a old-school thumper type of linebacker. Well, I think I definitely have some concern for TCU is obviously on the defensive line. There's some talent there. Dylan Horton is a guy that I think will probably go to the NFL draft, has a lot of athleticism, has played his best football late. But my main concern is uh, how do they hold up against their running game and obviously against the offensive line that was voted the best in college football. So if there's a mismatch, it could be up front. And I think TCU, their main struggles are, it's a three-three-five defense, right? So they're if they only send three guys at a time, they have really struggled to get home uh, and really get after those uh, quarterbacks, which puts a lot more stress on the defense as a whole, man. Just because anytime a quarterback has four or five seconds to find a wide open receiver, more more than likely he's going to find that guy. So they really struggle at those at those times. But I think overall, I think it's a good unit. I think they're much better than they were last year, but there are limitations to what they can do due to, I think, the defensive line and where it's at size-wise and talent-wise right now. I'm glad you brought that up because some of the Michigan players this week have acknowledged the fact that TC likes to only bring three up front and they like to drop back five, six, you know, a bunch of guys. And so I think that certainly plays to Michigan's strength. They're obviously going to want to run the football and everything else. And I'm really curious to see how that handles, how that ends up because Michigan has worn teams down up front and when you're not prepared to bring three, four, five guys and stop the run, you know, it could it could get out of hand quickly. So I'm really curious to see how that, especially early, if they're able to keep up with Michigan's uh, rushing attack here. Well, usually they'll drop like Joe Gillespie. Uh, he's not afraid to bring one of the linebackers down. Normally, it'll either be Johnny Hodges or D. Winters at one of the end spots. And basically, they'll go to a four man front. Um, they did that a lot against Texas. And, you know, they had a lot of success against that run game. Holden Bijan, I think, 29 yards rushing. I think if I had to guess what game plan they'll try to use, they'll try to emulate that. You know, I'm not sure they'll be that Texas game was just so weird, man. So I'm not I'm pretty sure TCU isn't going to be able to be that successful slowing down the Michigan run game. But they've gone up against some good rushing attacks some really good running backs. And most of the time, they really held their own. So I think TCU has a chance, but um, it's really just about the depth and how, how long they can hold up against a really great offensive line. That's kind of what I, I was going to ask next about. If there's a game and it's kind of for either of you, like that each team has played, that will be the one that maybe the coaches are are studying more to prepare for this game. You know, if there's a if there's again a Big Twelve version of Michigan or a Big Ten version of TCU uh, that that you see, I, I kind of part of me thinks that maybe that that kind of that that Baylor game could be something that kind of Baylor maybe some similar styles to Michigan. I, I don't know, and then I'm not really sure what would be on Michigan side. But you know, if you either of you see any particular yeah game or yeah game plan that that the other would try to follow going into this one well talking to the tcu guys they all see a lot of texas when they look at michigan they see uh, a really great running back very talented offensive line johnny hodges loves jj mccarthy i think he's a guy he's very blunt um he's not afraid to say he thinks the team is overrated or isn't that good but he had nothing but positive say things to say about jj mccarthy i think he might think he might be the best quarterback they faced all year but um, overall, and I think I saw some numbers that there are a lot of offensive numbers or metrics showing that the production at Texas and Michigan in certain care, I mean, certain areas was very similar. Um, obviously, we, I think we all would agree Texas, I mean, Michigan, excuse me, is a much better, uh, much better team, better coach, better discipline. 
But I think for TCU, they're going to circle that game and say, hey, we stopped one of the best running backs in the country. We held him to 30 yards, man. So we've we've seen talent up front on the offensive line and in the backfield. So we can do this. I don't think TCU is going to come into the game with an attitude of fear or thinking they can't hold up physically. Um, they face some really good offensive line this year. They face some good running backs, Duke Swan, Bijan as well, too. So I think the Kansas State game, the first game they won, and the mm-hmm. Texas game will be the two games that TCU was kind of circling as. If we do this, then we'll have a chance to win. It's funny you mentioned that, Andrew, because we asked today, actually, and Braden McGregor about this very question. What is the T- who who most resembles this TCU offense that you've played so far? And he said Purdue. It seemed like the last couple of weeks, we, we couldn't get an answer from a player. They would say, well, maybe it's a little bit of Maryland, a little bit of Ohio State, a little bit of Purdue. But he seemed to think after a week, a full week or two of diving in the tape, it was Purdue, just in terms of the the, the, the weapons outside of receiver, the quarterback who can kind of sling it around. Um, so it, it, that Purdue seems to be the, the, the match here. Um, you know, I think in terms of mobility and quarterback, I think more, it's more maybe like a Talia Tagovailoa at Maryland or like a CJ Stroud at, at Ohio State. So it's, I don't know, it, it's it's unique. As you mentioned, it's an air-rate offense. It does like to throw the ball, and you never know really, really where they're going to go with it. Um, but I, I'm really curious to see how Michigan's defense handles it because um, I, I anticipate TCU getting down the field and, and, and you know, uh, churning up some yards and, and scoring some points at least early. It's come down to how you adjust and how you, uh, you know, keep them out of the end zone there in the red zone. Yeah. And, you know, as Steven said, Michigan, a better version of Texas and, and TCU, absolutely a better version of Purdue, as it should be here in, in, the, in the playoff. I mean, this is going to be the, I think, the best team each team has played. You can make your case for Ohio State, I guess. But I mean, this is th- these are two two really good teams. And Steven, you mentioned about they won't have that fear. I, I was going to kind of ask a little more about that because Michigan was in the playoff last year and. I, I do think that helps Michigan a lot that they they were there. They know the experience of this, you know, this long layoff and the, you know, the hype and the hoopla and, you know, kind of what it takes to succeed, you know, play really how well you have to play, how locked in you have to be to, you know, compete in this game. Um, and they they can use that experience this year. You know, TCU doesn't have that, but I guess maybe if you don't think that'll be a huge factor, why not? Or, or you know, what about some of the leadership on this team makes you think, They'll, they'll handle this moment. Uh, I think experience always helps, man. You can, I mean, you can never have enough of that, I think, honestly. But the reason why I don't know how big a factor it will be with TCU is just because they're, they really enjoy when they're the underdog. I think it gives them a lot of confidence. There's times they struggle the most, I think, were times where they, they were expected to, like, blow out teams or have these dominant games. But then, of course, you turn on film against a team like Texas. They were a touchdown underdog. And they really relish that role as an underdog. So what they're going to hear over the next week and a half, if they haven't already, is just how about, you know, Michigan's going to move the ball up and down. Michigan's going to do this. Michigan's going to do that. And Michigan is a great team. And they honestly could have success against TCU. So I think for them, I don't know if TCU will be consumed with just, you know, being happy, being there to like, hey, we made the college football playoff. Because you have all these people chirping saying, hey, you guys really didn't deserve it or you guys are just going to get blown out. So I think they're going to really come in with the mentality of trying to prove something to themselves, to the people around the program, and really just prove they belong, man. You know, they said it this week, um, hey, it's a special season, but, you know, they're not going to Arizona for vacation. They're going to try to win and make it to the national championship game. So um, if TC comes up short, I don't think it'll be because of nerves. I think it will just be because, you know, Michigan is a little bit deeper and Michigan is a little bit better up front. Aaron, I don't know if you got anything. I, I got one more for sure. It's just sort of like, I want to ask you for a straight prediction for this game, at least not yet. Maybe, maybe next week we'll, we'll talk to you again, but uh, 
Is there something maybe early in this game that you know viewers can can be looking for that will maybe tell you whether TCU is ready to go, you know, toe to toe with Michigan in this game, or if, um, uh oh, they might they might not really be ready for the challenge. Is, is there is there something on the line, you know, with the line play or or with, you know, maybe Johnson's ability to kind of break free, like so, something that you could say, all right, this this gives you confidence, or yeah, it kind of goes the other way that might be a long night. I'll be really interested to see how if they're able to establish their quick passing game early on. They weren't able to do that against Texas. And if you go back and watch that film, Texas was just flying up on all those speed screens, all those bubble screens and just blowing it up. And TC, it took TCU so long to really just readjust because they couldn't run the ball as well, too. So if you take away that quick passing game, Kendra was not able to get going. I think it puts a lot more stress on Max Duggan to kind of hit those intermediate throws, hit those deep shots, which, you know, aren't always efficient no matter how good your receivers are. So for, for me, offensively, It'll be about if they're able to get that game going, if you're able to get guys like Tay Barber, Quinn Johnston, Darius Davis, whoever. If you're able to get them two or three quick catches, get them, you know, a couple yards, just kind of move the chains. And I think if Kendra Miller has success early, that means that TCU's offensive line is holding up. And I think that TCU is kind of moving the ball at that point. Defensively, I think it'll come down to the red zone. You know, I think Michigan's going to – they're going to get their yards, man, whether it's through the air or on the run game. I'm, I'm a little more confident in what TCU will be able to do in pass coverage than I am against the run game. But if they do get to, say, the 20-yard line, they red zone, can TCU kind of force them into field goals? Or is it Michigan, once they get there, they're just going to walk in. So I think that those will be the two keys for TCU early. Stephen, th- thank you so much. This was this was very helpful as uh, you know our Michigan listeners uh, get get ready and we get, we get closer to uh, kickoff. We'll, uh, we'll, see you, we'll see you in Arizona. Yes, sir, man. Looking forward to a good game. All right. That concludes this episode. You can find more coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.